correctly understood and experienced, Sanskrit is the sound of your own being. It's the sound of your own soul. Um, and the more we move, tap into that experience, the more we enliven that experience of pure being, of, of our soul. Um, and so when we become intimate with that, everything becomes enlivened. You know, everything impacts us on every single level, um, um, on, on every level. And, and that's an amazing thing. You know, it's, um, and it's open to everyone. That's the really beautiful thing about it. And it's a very simple thing just to play with and explore. Hello and welcome to the Mind Detox podcast. Here, we're going to discover a new way to think, feel and heal while exploring our spiritual side. This podcast includes highlights from my online club and academy meetings, expert interviews, guided meditations and more. All so that you can cure the cause and master peace. For today's episode, I share a chit-chat with Garuda, meditation teacher and Sanskrit expert. I ask him about the origins, benefits and mechanics of the ancient Sanskrit language, which despite it dating back to 8,000 years BC, appears to still possess the power to change and improve lives today. Stay tuned because Garuda also guides us through a brilliant meditation using one of the most popular and powerful Sanskrit mantras. Why did you get interested in Sanskrit in the first place? Let's just start there briefly. Uh, I fell in love actually originally with um, Indian mythology um, many, many, many years ago, about 25 years ago. I, I just fell in love with the, the beauty of it, the poetry of it, and how it related um, to my life directly in certain incidents. Um, and it really grew from, from there. It, the Sanskrit itself grew from just exploring the, the mythology of, of India. Um, but it really came to life when I did my um, meditation training in Canada, where we listened to the ancient Vedic hymns every evening. And so uh, I fell in love with them straight away. It was like a homecoming. You know, when I was exposed to them, um, I fell in love with them. And so that's, that's when it all began, really. And that was the Rig Vedas. And what other ones did you listen to there? Uh, the Rig Veda at first, and then we moved on to the Sama Veda. Sama Veda, so, yeah. yeah, yeah. That's cool. To put it into context, guys, like I used to live with Garuda a number of years ago. We had this big, uh, <laughs> big farmhouse in England, and there was about, I guess, ten meditation teachers living in this farmhouse. Yeah, about ten. We're talking Narayan, Sata, and a few other people that you might have met. We all used to live together in this uh, big, beautiful farmhouse together. And sometimes, you know, we're modern day monks, so sometimes we'd be watching a movie or whatever. But guess where Garuda would be when we were watching a movie? He'd be in his room studying Sanskrit. <laughs> just kind of put into context how when he says he's really passionate about it, he genuinely is. As this is what he does for fun. Okay. Uh, so <laughs> so um how has learning Sanskrit uh, impacted you? How has it changed your life or uh, made a difference for you? Yeah, it's, it's an interesting thing. It's, um, for me, it, it just it enlivens a great joy. I mean, the, uh, it really, it's just, it just enlivens a palpable joy in my experience. You know? um, and within that joy, there is a deep intuitive connection and recognition of the sacredness of being of my own being and my relationship with all things. And so really they're the primary motives why I love it so much. Um, Beautiful. It's, yeah, it's just a very alive thing. So And that's it, the thing about Sanskrit, it's alive. It actually helps you come back to more life, you know? Yeah. Um, and I guess that takes us to the next question. You know, what is it about makes this, what is it about Sanskrit that makes it such a powerful language? You know, it's um, partly, mostly because it's uh, correctly understood and experienced. Sanskrit is the sound of your own being. It's the sound of your own soul. Um, and the more we move, tap into that experience, the more we enliven that experience of pure being, of, of our soul. Um, 
And so when we become intimate with that, everything becomes enlivened. You know, everything impacts us on every single level, um, um, on, on every level. And, and that's an amazing thing. You know, it's, um, and it's open to everyone. That's the really beautiful thing about it. And it's a very simple thing just to play with and explore. How old is it, roughly? Well, you know, it's um, Sanskrit on one level is, is a timeless thing, you know, and, and on one level it's because you're, you're dealing with vi- subtle, pure vibrations, which ever since this universe began, Sanskrit began too, because it's the sound of the universe, you see. But on a more practical, linear level, um, the ancient Vedic hymns, in which Sanskrit composes these hymns, we can date them back to about um, 8,000 BC um, in a linear time level. So they're very, very old. Um, and how did they get here? <laughs> how did they get to planet Earth? <laughs> um, w- well, by the a- through the ancient rishis. The, re- the ancient rishis were, were beings that were very, very attuned to their being, very conscious beings. And within that state of complete fullness um, they started to recognize subtle impulses within the field of their own consciousness Um, and within the field of their own consciousness they were they could start to mimic the sounds through their vocal cords and create an alignment more and more with that impulse you see of the with, with the universe and 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 so it started to come through various conscious beings a long long time ago um and they were never written down. The language was never put, you know, to paper back in the day. It was always an oral movement of opening ourselves up, opening yourself up to the natural rhythms of the cosmos. Um, and they were just transmitted from teacher to student um, as a means of spiritual instruction. Um, yeah, and so they were just wide open like tuning forks, you know, to the sounds of the universe. So if we're not quite at that Rishi level yet, can it still help someone who who maybe aspires to even getting somewhere near there? <laughs> yeah, on every level, on every level, because um, you know if you chant if you chant or say anything in Sanskrit, that the sheer mechanics of of the word in Sanskrit will take the portion of our awareness to the source. You know, and that's what a Rishi is. A Rishi is someone that actually is in full contact with the source, you know, all the time and plays from that state. And, but any word, any person can think a Sanskrit word and if they're open to it, and particularly if their relationship to Sanskrit is one of a revelationary state of what I mean by that is recognizing that it's not a foreign thing, but it's an intimate thing. Then it takes us into a deeper state pretty much straight away. It's not a difficult thing to do. You know, and it doesn't require years and years of spiritual practice in order for that to happen. It just takes the willingness to be open ever so slightly to the possibility that there's more. There's magic, you know, and, and there's moreness to that. Can you talk a bit more about that? What What do you mean by having the right relationship with the language? That's yeah, that's a great question. It's um, there's two ways that that people can learn Sanskrit. One is through the um, academic sense which is how it's taught mostly in the world today. Um, and there's nothing wrong with that. But, um, and that's through um, classroom, that's through um, books um, and acquiring the grammar, the knowledge and all the rest of it. And, and that's fine. But often what's missing in that movement and that approach is the soul of the language, the, the actual practical spiritual benefit of the language. We can learn about the grammar, we can talk about the rules and regulations, which is very incredibly complex from that perspective. But what's missing is the intimacy with the soul of the language. And so traditionally, if we understand experientially that Sanskrit is the sound of our own soul, it's not some Eastern, bizarre, slightly strange language that we're trying to learn because it's kind of interesting, but rather, rather it's the sound of of our own heart it's the sound of our own soul and if we have that approach to it then sanskrit becomes one of a revelationary experience rather and a sacred experience because it's intimate to with us you see it becomes um 
we become so intimate with that recognition that it's not a foreign thing. It's the sound of our own heart. And if we have that approach to it, it becomes sacred, it becomes easy, and it becomes practical and enjoyable in terms of expanding uh, awareness and peace. And it becomes about getting to know yourself. Yeah, it's, and that's it. It's all about that. And exploring all the different facets of yourself beyond who you think you are. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Last week we talked a lot about you know going beyond our persona. And sometimes it can be a scary thought to let go of our, our self-image, our idea of self. But hopefully this is, is like going, well, I know that version of myself, but there is so much more to who I really am. Yeah. Even than just to be still now. And I mean that in the best possible way, you know? I mean it like there's so many different fragrances of of God. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean the beautiful thing about the language of Sanskrit is that it's not it's one of embracing the full human experience. That's what I really love about that kind of approach. You know, it's an integrative kind of experience of of heightened intelligence, heightened focus that happens automatically with Sanskrit. So it's like everything gets enhanced. Our physical well-being is benefited through the, 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 the usage of the language, the chanting of the language. That is a direct correlation between our physiology and how chanting Sanskrit can benefit that. But also our emotional state as well, it can really benefit in terms of making our emotions more fluid so that there's less blocks if there is any, you know, to our emotional state. And spiritually speaking, the, the, as awareness starts to expand as our senses become purified through the usage of the language. So every, every step of the way, there's high benefits in playing with the language. I'm pretty sure we could probably spend about 13 hours talking about the benefits of Sanskrit, but hopefully that's enough just for now as to why we probably want to keep listening and exploring. So I'd like to talk about OM for a bit because you know a lot of the guys in this club are already aware of om uh what what is om to you <laughs> it's for me it's it's the sound of the universe it's it's om is the the most purest congealed um sacred sound of existence um in which the entire sanskrit language um is created everything is created from that primal sound om um, the entire universe is created from that sound om. Um, and it, it's a very powerful mantra. It's known as the mother of all mantras and because every other mantra is derived from that primal sound om. So I, I love the term uh, the congealed Holy Spirit. I, I personally love that interpretation of om because for me it's like an alignment with that pure, pure and power, that flow that arises from source. And to me that's what om is. When you say uh, Holy Spirit, are you meaning something religious right now? No, not religious. It's um, I would the, the dynamic power of the self is another way to say that. That's that's my the way I would share that. So it's the movement from nothing to something, or from silence to sound, or yeah, that, that kind, kind of thing. thing. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Oh, lovely. Um, Last week we talked about the gunas, uh-huh. and I'd love to know your take on on gunas uh, from from your experience, having maybe meditate with them or just explore them further. Even when it comes to the actual language of of how the words are made up, you know, and and, and how the the formation of the word actually represents what it's pointing towards or sharing the experience of, you know. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's um. That's, that's one of the things I love about Sanskrit. Each word in Sanskrit can be broken down syllable by syllable. So, you know, uh, you know in, in terms of the gunas, sattva, you've got, you got two syllables there, sat and twa, or sattva, depending on which place of India you come from. Um, and if, if you look at and examine and explore and meditate on the, each individual component of those words, it will give you a great insight into the nectar, you know, it's kind of the, the essence of sattva in that example and so if you take sat um sat means uh, eternal it can mean the eternal um 
And Tva means the essence of, the essence of eternity, which is pure, you know. And so Tva grammatically in Sanskrit means that which is intimately connected. In fact, that's even incorrect. It's more, it's not that it's connected, but it is, it is that, you see. Um, and so loosely, you could say it's Sattva is um, the purity, the natural purity of self, which is eternal would be a correct translation of sattva. So when we look at one of the gunas in purity, we know it, we know it on a surface level as purity, don't we, the uh, sattvic guna. Um, there's so much depth and beauty uh, and experientially um, that we can have just in that word and what it means in the gunas. And when you know that, just even having heard that, there's a transmission in what you've just shared, I feel it. And then when we come to then uh, use it to meditate on or whatever, it just has a deeper experience. Yeah. So the benefits of not just using them kind of, oh, there's a word, just think it, but to actually exploring the word, knowing how the words are made up and that is just wonderful. So please do it with the others as well. That's, that <laughs> was beautiful. So um, which one do you want to do next? Tamas or Rakshas? Uh, rajas. Should we do Rajas? Okay. So, yeah, I mean, a similar thing. You know, Rajas is broken up into two things, Ra and Jas. Um, and Ra... Um, ra can mean um, light, but it has a sense of, of dynamic power and movement in that, um, which is why in ancient Egyptian culture, you know, the god of the sun is Ra, for example. And so there's a connection between the dynamic light of being, the dynamic light of self, um, which flows, which gives birth to something, which creates, which motivates and stimulates and inspires evolution the natural movement of self to experience moreness to experience more and that's the one example of ra and then just um just can mean birth just so it, it, in other words it means it means um expanding motivation to get things done dynamic action you know and then when you put those components together you have the power of rajas which is uh um, you know the, the passionate quality of the guna, and then you have uh, tamas, um, which is uh, the the inertia quality. But really, the the deeper sense of tamas. See, all these gunas have surface level understandings and meanings, but at, at the the depth of meaning is where the the real nectar is, the real beauty is. Like tamas doesn't mean just mean. Um, inertia and dullness and apathy it can mean that on one level but the other side of the pole it actually means the solidity of self the solid grounding of pure being that's unshakable mm -hmm. you see and that's and that comes from the the root tum tum it means grounded so there's beauty when we play with the Sanskrit language and a little bit of, of understanding of, and a whole lot of experience will open us up to, to a deeper appreciation and experience of Sanskrit, but more importantly, a deeper experience of self, which is what Sanskrit leads us to. So in the context of, of, of the, the gunas and um, how they impact us at a psychological, physical, emotional, blah, blah, blah level, um, is there any research out there when it comes to Sanskrit on its physical or psychological impact on, on us? There's, there's tons, yeah, tons and tons. There's um, 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 Neuroscience American Journal um, has published a paper about a year ago, I think, on the benefits of using the language. Even just using it like once a day for a tiny portion of our day, the benefits of that. Um, there's been countless papers um written um, by scientists that examined TM practitioners, you know, the transcendental meditation mm -hmm. and the benefits of using mantras in terms of increased focus and concentration, um, uh, increased uh, logical deduction, um, more fluid, more harmony with emotional states and, and more, just more peace and clarity and calm. There's tons of research. <clears throat> And so has any of that research said that it could actually help a, a physical health and, and healing and like from a physical level? Yeah, absolutely. In fact, there's seed mantras for um, seed Sanskrit sounds for different parts of the body. 
So if someone's got a heart condition, for example, um, then there's certain sounds that will benefit that person. If someone's got a lung problem, there's certain, ben there's certain vibrations that you can chant, which are all based on the Sanskrit alphabet that will benefit that person. And these have been, you know, studied and, and, and documented for a long, well, for a long, long time. So if I got you back somehow, would we be able to get maybe get like, a, I love a directory here and there, you know, would, you, would we be able to get like a bit of a instruction on, on the different organs and, the, and learn the different chants for the different organs? Would that be uh, No problem. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I have, cool. Any I thumbs have up from the top of my screen? Would anyone like that? <laughs> cool. Cool. <laughs> That's cool. And we got a few, uh, we got a yes, please in the chat box too. Okay. Um, I want to dive a bit more into, uh, well, I want to pass on to you as to what you're most passionate about. We've got kind of two different ways I could think we could go with this. We, one way, we, I'd love to hear you talk about the states of consciousness, because I heard you talk about that in Spain once, and it was really cool to get your take on the different states of consciousness, you know, dreaming, waking, sleeping, etc. Mm -hmm. um, and another route I'd love to take is, we talked a bit about Rig Vedas and the mechanics of consciousness, where it was like passion, focus, etc. Remember that? So where would you feel most confident and comfortable talking about which direction would you like to take this? What, um, why don't we get in the Rig, the Rig Veda direction? Okay. Cool. So first of all, what, what is the Rig Vedas? Oh, the Rig Vedas are amazing. You, you guys would love the Rig Vedas. The Rig Vedas are the, the world's most ancient spiritual teachings known on the planet. The Rig Veda is, um, is uh, Rig, the Sanskrit meaning of rig veda rig means praise um loosely it can mean praise or shining and veda means wisdom so all the entire vedas that arise from vedic tradition from india um are a selection of 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 mantras that were cognized by the sages um, for spiritual instruction and they beautifully and poetically describe in sanskrit mantras the the experience when awareness touches the self when awareness touches the self every part of the human condition begins to transform and expand and and that can really only be adequately described using a language that is infinitely flexible and sanskrit is is a beautiful uh, means in order for that to take place and so the vedas are a selection of hymns of a sage's personal experience of that transformation are they uh, are they a journey in some way, or how would you describe like the yes all of them differently? Uh, you know all the different parts of it. How would you describe it? Yeah, there's um, it is a journey. It's broken down into a journey uh, on one level, and so um, for example, the Rig Veda itself is split up into ten mandalas, and these mandalas are spheres. A mandala means a circle or a sphere. So 10 circles or 10 spheres of spiritual teaching. The first one is dedicated largely to, to the principle of our consciousness known as Agni. And Agni uh, is a Sanskrit word which means the principle of fire. You know, you can, we can read books and, and the books would tell us it's the god of fire and something outside of ourselves is a religious thing. But actually, Agni is is the, the the power the willpower of consciousness that that the fire the light that starts to burn when one is motivated to seek more and everyone of course on this call has that otherwise we wouldn't even be on this call but but and that's agni that's the flame of agni and so the rishis recognized initially the most important quality for a seeker aspiring more is that quality of agni and so that's why the very first hymn is dedicated to that principle to enliven that fire that that power within everyone to, mo to motivate us and, and can sometimes our world and our life circumstances play a part in igniting that fire yeah 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 and that's all agni it's all it's all it's all the process of agni the fire being lit that's cool <laughs> and then we move from agni uh, of passion and fire into what <clears throat> into and then we and then the rishis invoke um in the, the the other mandalas um indra for example now indra is again loosely known as the king of the gods so if we pick up any book read the king of the gods it has it sounds beautiful but it doesn't really have much meaning to most people 
but if you truly understand and experience the beauty of Sanskrit and you play with it just a little bit, you'll discover that Indra is basically attention directed and becoming more and more one-pointed. The very vibration of the word Indra creates that experience. So the, Indra. if we check, yeah, that's right. So in draws the word in, in, <laughs> and dra then moves it out. And so what that says, spiritually speaking, Indra is that when consciousness expands to a point, it must expand beyond its limitation. So then it so it creates focus. And so, but in order to have focus, we must be motivated in order to have focus, which is why Agni comes first and then we have Indra after to expand upon our experience of of joy, of peace. And then then uh, then we have um then we have Mitra and Varuna. Uh, again, Mitra and Varuna are, um, Varuna means loosely, <laughs> it means night. Mitra means day. Or it can mean, uh, Varuna can mean that which is tamasic. And Mitra means that which is sattvic. And so it, what it does, it, it, it's not that one is better or worse than the other. It creates this, this quality within us. The vibration creates the quality of discrimination. The ability to to recognize the self, the true self, um, um, and so it creates that discriminative quality, that which is limited to that which is unlimited. And of course, all of these things aren't like steps on the ladder as such. They're more like flowers that begin to unfold simultaneously as we look at this, as we examine it and meditate and, and so on. So the whole thing grows organically. And that's the beautiful thing about the language, too, is that it's an organic, natural um, unfolding, you know, a gentle unfolding. What does one do to not feel overwhelmed at this point in the proceedings? Because it seems like it's just such a huge uh, quest mm. to take your first step on. You know, it's, it's all, all one needs to do is, is just think one Sanskrit vibrate, one Sanskrit mantra any Sanskrit mantra and um, and just use it. And if there's a sense of, of more peace than there was a moment before, if there was a, a slight sense of more happiness or calmness, then obviously something's working in our favor and that's the gateway in for more. Okay. You know, and, you know, so you well, talking just... of which, we, we, we talked um, about uh, us having a little meditation. Would you guys like a little meditation on a mantra? Would you like that now? We've, we've talked a lot. Let's have a... A bit of an experience, and we, we talked about aham, didn't we? Uh, we, we? We thought we'd play with aham. So, do you want to introduce aham? Let us understand why we might want to play with this, and then we'll uh, I'll guide people through, a, or you can guide people through a little uh, mantra meditation. Yeah, it's, um, I mean, briefly, aham is very, very popular mantra in India and in Vedic tradition, and it means pure being, um, that part of us that never changes. And um, if we look at the Sanskrit alphabet. The first vibe, the first sound of the Sanskrit alphabet is the sound a, uh, is the very first sound a, uh. and the very last sound of the Sanskrit alphabet is ha or hum. So we have a uh at the beginning and hum at the end, and everything in between those two vibrations constitute the entire Sanskrit language between those two sounds. And what it suggests is, is that a hum, which means the entire Sanskrit language is the state of our own pure being. It means that Sanskrit is intimate to us. It means that our very living breath is a flow of, of the Sanskrit language, which means that the, the natural flow of the language is sacred. It means that we're sacred. So just in that intimacy with a hum, it may create a different dynamic with Sanskrit itself, and particularly with that mantra. So can you use one more time just to explain the the in the mouth what it's happening, like in the throat, or just you know, how would someone properly say that mantra? <clears throat> um so so the first the first sound is is ah and so ah, ah, ah. and so you, you would feel and it's it's very important with Sanskrit to develop a feeling culture with the language. Like, like, so you feel it physiologically, and that may only start initially by the vibration in the throat. And so, if you if you if you chant the word or say the word 
ah. You'll feel the vibration in the back of the throat, ah. That's the very first sound. You can do it as well if you want, if you're if it's appropriate where you are watching. Um, ah. Ah. And then on the out breath, hum. Hum. You can feel and it. I, yeah, and, and you and it's the exhalation is it should be one of it should be soothing. We should feel a kind of a release. And so ah hum. Should I feel any vibration in my mouth? Because I, I did pick up with some. Should I feel any or is it more outward? It, you may feel a little bit in the mouth because obviously it travels through the mouth. But, but primarily you may just feel it. You experience it on, the, on it's a labial sound, so the lips. Okay. The hum. And when, when you chant the M at the end, hum, exaggerate the vibration of the M at the end. Because what that does, it, it creates the momentum of the vibration and makes it more tangible. So we develop more feeling culture with the mantra. So one so, more ah, time. Ah, hum. Aham. Aham. Now, are we going to be doing this internal or e external? We're probably going to do it thinking it, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you could do it either way, but yeah, you could think it. What's more powerful? It's much more powerful to internalize mantra. Much more powerful. And if you and because there's different ways, there's different ways that one we can chant. If we're going to chant it internally, there's a there's a, a certain way to do it. So the way I just explained would be if we're chanting it externally in our environment, which has a massive benefit. If we're internalizing it, on the in-breath, chant, chant the word, obviously, because it won't be audible. So you have to just use the breath itself, but imagine the sound ah uh, traveling on the in-breath back to a, to a central source within. So, so it's the breath that sounds. And on the out-breath, you can either make make the sound, externalize the sound, or just simply think it in the mind and use the breath to make the sound. So effectively what you're listening to is the sound, the exaggerated sound of your breath, the ah, uh, riding on the breath, moving in, and then the external hum as the breath, we release the breath outward. And the movement of the breath creates the sound itself. So that, that's another way that we can do it. And that's, that can be very, very powerful. So what would you recommend um, us doing it this time? So we're very clear on what we're going to do for the next few minutes. How, what would you, uh, how would you recommend we start? I, I, I would say let's do it um, on the breath, internalize it, because it'd be, it's much more impactful, uh, an amazing big group like this. I mean, it would be very, very cool to play with. So the first thing is to make sure you're comfortable. And just gently close your eyes. And the, the first thing I want you to do is just be aware of, of your breath. And so as we breathe in through the nose, Allow the belly to rise. As we breathe out through the nose, let the belly fall naturally. There should be no straining on the breath. And sitting in the quiet place, the still place, On the in, next in-breath, <clears throat> next inhalation through the nose. <clears throat> I want you to think in, <clears throat> excuse me, to think in your mind the sound ah, or ah, as you breathe in. And then on the out-breath through the nose, hum. On the in-breath, through the nose, the sound ah. And then the out-breath, hum. 
and every out breath we relax more and more into our natural calm state. So we're using the sound of ah and hum to create a fluid movement with the breath. As we breathe in through the nose and we silently chant the sound ah, imagine awareness just being drawn more and more inward to a single point in the center of the skull. A still point. And on the out breath, hum, let everything go. And keep doing that for the next few minutes. On every in-breath, chanting, internalizing the sound ah on the in-breath. Bringing awareness to that single point of stillness. And on the exhalation, hum. Just relax more and more into it. Next in-breath, through the nose, internalizing the sound ah, as we move the attention to that, that still point, as it, as it congeals into focus, and then the out-breath, release everything. Recognize the sound or hum is the sound of your own life force, the sound of your own breath. The re-in breath is the sound ah, and every out breath is the sound hum. be natural and fluid and without effort. 
and just rest in the essence of your own self. again. Allow the ah to move your attention inward and the hum as we surrender everything to that flow of breath, that flow of silence, to the M sound, the hum and the soothingness that that generates. The mantra should be fluid. It should always work beautifully, rhythmically with the breath. There should be no strain. coming back to having the intention of sound in the sound ah on the in-breath and hum on the out-breath and recognize intuitively that ah is the first sound of creation the first sound of the Sanskrit language and the first sound of the soul as it draws attention back to its source continuously on every breath that we take. And recognize intuitively that on the out, every out-breath is a surrender is an emptying, is a soothingness that comes as we let go to receive more. And within those two components exist our being, like two sides of the one coin of pure being. Rest deeply in that silence of yourself. So as we move attention on the 
Ah, sound is on the in-breath, the belly rises. And then as we move attention on the out-breath, the hum, as we relax and surrender. Recognize the, the sacredness of our own being, the sacredness of our life. Just in the very fact that we breathe. And not just our life, of course, but all things, all living things are sacred. Everything breathes. And it breathes through the sound of aham. Pure being. gently come to and be aware of the breath, the in-breath, the natural flow and the out-breath. And recognize that the natural sound of the breath is even a hum. And whenever you're ready, gently open your eyes. I think you're on mute, uh, Sutraman. Yeah, that's how spaced out I was just then. Yes, I forgot to even unmute myself. Thank you for that. That was amazing. <laughs> you're welcome. That yeah, was beautiful. Thank you, guys. <sighs> so as we we group, regroup and we're about to, you know, we're going to throw over, come back to everybody uh, soon. <laughs> so I'm going to try and speak again. Um, we're about to come back to everybody and have a chance to chat to uh, Garuda. Uh, if you have any questions or anything, good time for you to consider that. Uh, but um, if this was a really cool kind of intro to Sanskrit, is there anything else that you really always try to make sure is said when you're first introducing people to Sanskrit? And if so, what would that what would that be? I, I, pretty much what what I've spoke about earlier is recognizing that it's intimate to our own being. Yeah, one of the beautiful things about about what we just did there with that particular mantra was that it can we can start to recognize that the very sound of Sanskrit uh, is nat is intimate. We're intimate to it. We're natural to it. It's it's a it's a thing of of pure beauty and um, and that's really all we need if we want to explore the language pra in the practical sense. You know, um, if we want to explore the language, it's all about our approach to it. 95% of it is our relationship to the language, not the language itself. You know, and if we have that approach of the sacredness of the language um, as an experience, then it just becomes an amazingly beautiful thing. What I loved about that experience was just how natural it was. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So it's just recognizing what already is. And I imagine like the more you dive into it, the more Sanskrit just points out what already is, but you're like, oh, I hadn't noticed that aspect. Oh, I, oh there's that, that aspect too. And yes, you know, yeah. that's cool about it. You're not trying to be in, become anything that you're not already. It's about remembering who you really are. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's all about that. It's recognizing the, the, the living essence in everything. You know, that's that's the, the highest use of the language of Sanskrit is recognizing 
the sacred value in our own existence. You know, that's that's the, the pinnacle of the language. That's why we have Sanskrit. And all the scriptures that derive from the language are solely really there to for that exploration. So we can recognize and value our life and our being and subsequently everyone else's too. You know, and that's and have you noticed that have you noticed that in your journey that you've you've got a much more palpable experience of sacredness on a daily basis? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. All things, all things. I imagine if you have a palpable experience of sacredness, then many of the things that might be a problem without that stop being a problem. Like it's you're too busy with enjoying the sacredness and exploring the nature of all that you are to yeah. identify in certain thoughts or whatever, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Because you see, you take, you know, the, the nature of it, of sacredness for me is that you're so captivated by the, by, and when I say sacredness, I could translate into, into a, a, a beauty. I could say the same thing about beauty being sacred. You see the, you see beauty uh, in all things, a beauty that is profound you know, and natural. Um, um, and, and so because of that, you're less likely to become, or I'm less likely to become self-absorbed in problems, in my perceived problems and so on. And so, you know, you, you appreciate, I appreciate a lot more um, my life and my world because of it. You know, and, and plus nothing's taken for granted either. You know, just doing that little exercise of the breath that we did, um, we start, I start, when I started playing with that, I was, I was um, quite taken, as you said, um, about the naturalness of it, about the inflow, the inflow of the sound ah. Uh. Every sound, every movement on the inflow is the sound ah, uh, and every outbreath is the sound hum. And so in between those sounds is the entire Vedic tradition, the, the most ancient, one of the most ancient spiritual uh, teachings on the planet are contained within those two components, those two sounds, in which we embody as human beings um, um, you know, so much, so much wisdom and beauty and, and um, light. <laughs>